Good morning, everybody. And uh, again, can I add my welcome to the welcomes that we've received already? Can I uh, encourage you? Um, I'm looking at maybe uh, 10 or so people here in the room. I'm sure there's a lot more watching on Zoom, a lot more catching up on Facebook. Can I encourage you, as, as we do church online, to keep interacting? Do put comments uh, in the Zoom chat. Do leave comments on Facebook. Uh, I'm, I can't quite multitask that much today, so I can't kind of see the things that are going in, but uh, folks will be watching that. And particularly as, as I bring this message, if you're someone that wants prayer, if you're somebody that wants to make a comment, then please put that into the chat. Uh, if you're hearing from God, if you have um, pictures or prophecies or words that you want to bring, again, please put that into the chat uh, or we can, uh, we can make room for that. So... Let me turn you to Revelation chapter 3. Uh, after the Easter break, we are picking up again our series in Revelation. And we are looking uh, again at this letter uh, that Jesus prophetically gave John to write to seven churches that were in the uh, area of Asia Minor, what we would now call modern-day Turkey. Uh, I need to make sure that I have the right church. There's seven of them. It's... Uh, uh, so easy to, to be in the, uh, to, to just get, catch God's vision for some of the other churches. But I trust that I've got the right one this morning and that we are looking at Philadelphia, not Philadelphia in the United States, but uh, Philadelphia in, like I say, in what is now Turkey. And we are in Revelation uh, chapter 3 and we're starting at verse 7. So let's read this passage together. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's just pray. Father God, just pray you bless this word to us. Let you give us ears to hear, as it says in this very passage that you will give us spiritual understanding uh, to hear what you say to us this morning. Amen. Let me start by asking you a question. Have you ever been let down? Have you ever been let down by a person, maybe a person very close to you? Have you ever felt let down by circumstances, by events, by the world around you? That's probably a bit of a trick question because I guess every single one of us could say yes to one degree or another. Uh, we, at some time, we've all been let down by people. Sometimes we, we, we've all, at some circumstances, been let down by events. 
for some folks this morning, that, that might be a really tough question to answer. That might have actually uh, touched a sore spot where you're going through a situation right now where you feel, I just feel let down. Just let, feel let down by that person, feel let down by what they said. I feel let down by circumstances. And, and let's face it, this year that we have been through has given ample opportunities for us to say, why God, where are you? Why has this happened? I just feel let down. And you see, the good news, if there can be good news in such situations, and there is, is that that in many ways is precisely what the church at Philadelphia were going through. As we open up this passage this morning, I think we're going to find some very similar situations and very similar circumstances. Because this was a church that, above all, could say, we feel abandoned, we feel let down. And so it's so important that the word that comes to them, if I can, if you like, sum up this letter to Philadelphia in just a couple of sentences, it's just simply this. Jesus says to them, although you feel let down and deserted, you need to know that I will never desert you. I will never leave you. I will stay true to you. That's why it's so important that the very beginning of this letter says the words of the Holy One, the True One, the one who has the key of David, someone who's holy, is separate, is, dif is different, is set apart. So often in our dealings with people and the world that the default situation we find is one where our expectations aren't always met. We're disappointed. We feel let down. Jesus says, I'm different. I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to be there for you. So let's just look briefly at how this church might have felt let down what were the circumstances that they faced firstly they had every right to feel let down by the land let me explain what I mean by that but they actually felt let down by the very land that they lived on the very uh, ground where they were established this uh, area uh, again what is modern day Turkey is an earthquake area. There's a lots of earthquakes that happened there. Uh, just last October, there was a, a large earthquake in Turkey that killed 20 people, that injured over 700. And, and if you look back over history, this region suffers what we would consider to be large major earthquakes every four or five years. And you can track that back, right back through history. And actually, if you go back to AD 17, AD 17, uh, again, when this church, when this uh, community would have been established, there was a major earthquake there that pretty much levelled the town. It levelled the city. There, there's so much in this letter about buildings, about pillars and keys and temples. And, you know, we can read that and, and we, can, we can see lots of symbolism in there and it's right in many ways to do that. But the people in the first century reading this letter, hey they would know about buildings. They, they, they had an understanding of buildings. And you see, that, that earthquake back in AD 70 was so severe that the Roman authorities, the, uh, the emperor at the time, exempted the town from paying taxes for five years. Now, the Romans weren't actually known for their generosity. They, they wanted to extract as much money as they could out of everybody they could. So to exempt a town for five years from paying taxes was... Yeah, quite a generous uh, thing to do in a sense. But, but here's a town that, that was, was let down by the buildings. I mean, 
we're fortunate in this country. We, we don't have earthquakes in this country. We're not an earthquake region. But I guess if suddenly, uh, I almost feel junior, you know, shake the camera a bit, we can give them a bit of a sort of a, a feel as to what it would be like if this building suddenly shook and we started to, yeah, go on, give it a little wobble. There you go. There's an earthquake happening. Yeah, did that work? <laughs> hey, what would you do? What would you do if there was an earthquake here? That's not a spiritual question. Noah, what would you do if there was an earthquake here? He's got the right answer. He's, he's pointing to the emergency exit. I was really hoping when I asked that question, I wasn't going to get a super spiritual answer like I'd pray. No, Noah, you were right. You'd head for the exit. You would get out. And you see, this passage talks about buildings that will be standing. God says, I will build, I will give you buildings that will not fall. You will be a temple. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out. Do you see what, what practical meaning that had for people who were reading this letter that were used to earthquakes? Hey, there are buildings here that we need to get out of really quickly. We're looking for a day where there will be buildings that we won't have to rush out of. See, here's a church that, that felt let down by their very foundations. And can I ask you this morning, what are your foundations? That is, in a sense, a spiritual question. What are you building your life on? What do you feel is firm and fixed and secure? And are you, just maybe, are you someone who, in this year, in these recent months, has felt those foundations rock a bit, shake a bit. Maybe the buildings that you felt were going to stand forever are showing signs of cracks and crumbling. And you're saying, God, what, what's happening here? Why am I going through this? What, what do these circumstances mean? You need to hear a God who says, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. When everything else crumbles, I will still be there. There's a land, uh, they were let down by the land. Secondly, they were actually let down by their leaders. <clears throat> by that, I don't mean their church leaders, but I mean that the leaders in authority, the Roman governors, the Roman leaders in a sense. Again, we pray for our government. We want strong and secure government. We want to be able to trust in our leaders. And here was a church, here was an area, here was a region that had in many ways been let down by those in authority over them. I've said already that the Romans uh, seemed to be fairly generous in exempting the town from taxes for five years after that earthquake in AD 17. But uh, a little while later, a couple of generations later on, about the time when this letter was, was written, there was a new emperor. Uh, we've talked in the past, Danny, Steve and I, about when these letters were written. The emperor at the time was an emperor called Domitian, who was a very severe uh, emperor, very anti-Christians, and uh, actually very power-hungry. And one of the, the scary things that happened around uh, about, again, 50, 60 years later, around about AD 60, around about AD 70, was this region was actually known for its wine. When I was speaking a couple of weeks ago about Pergamon, I was saying how that town, how that city, its economy was based on its hospital. Many people would come and pay money to receive treatment. Uh, Philadelphia was known for its vineyards. Again, the soil in that area, possibly to do with the fact that earthquakes tend to sort of 
push up new minerals and richness in the ground. Uh, this was known for its wine. The wine from Philadelphia was known to be the best wine in the region. Now, that upset the emperor. Because Roman wine, Rome, wine from Rome, was meant to be the best wine in the land, in the empire. And so what did Domitian do when rumours started to circulate that Philadelphia produced better wine? He ripped up the vineyards. He ripped up the vineyards. They were ripped up, they were thrown away. The very thing that the city's economy depended on was destroyed by those who, in theory, were looking after that city. Imagine back, just if you can, sort of pre-COVID time. Do you remember the discussions we had about will Gatwick get a second runway? That seems ages ago, doesn't it? Oh, wow. What happens if we get a second runway? Just, just imagine what would happen if the government said, well, actually, no, we've changed our mind. We're going to close Gatwick. We're going to rip up the tarmac and plant allotments. Some of you might be saying, yeah, you won't do it. <laughs> the air might be a bit cleaner. But, but imagine what that would do to the economy of Crawley. Yeah, we've suffered, haven't we? we? As a town, we've suffered with the reduction of flights. Imagine what would happen if the airport ceased to be. Where would our economy go? And that, in small measure, is what Philadelphia felt. They, they felt, hey, our, our whole economy, our whole livelihood has been trashed. And again, I ask that question because this morning you might be someone who says, hey, my economy is not what it was because of this last year. Finances, income, things that I, I was trusting in, that, that I thought were secure, now don't seem to be so secure as I thought they would. Again, these are really difficult times. That's, what, that's why actually I made that point at the beginning. If, uh, if you're facing those, if you are someone that wants prayer, we're not meeting physically in the way that we could. If we were doing that, we could say, hey, look, there'll be folks that will gather around you and pray with you, uh, stand with you in that. We can stand together virtually, but you need to let us know that you're someone who actually does need prayer, that this is an area that's hurting, that's touching you, that's causing you concern. So they were let down by the land. They were let down by their leaders... And then thirdly, and perhaps the most sad one of all, they were let down by their loved ones. That can be the, the, the toughest and the, the hardest kind of disappointment at times, isn't it? When the very people that we think are close to us, the very people that we feel should be on our side, suddenly are not on our side. Suddenly they turn against us. Verse 9 where it talks about this uh, dispute, uh, those who are Jews and uh, choose themselves to not be that. Uh, verse 9, and actually let me just read that passage so that I, I quote it correctly. Um, uh, Behold, I will make those uh, uh, of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and you will learn that I have loved you. There's a dispute there and as we unpack that verse uh, there's a dispute that seems to take place here between the, the Jews in the synagogue and the Christians. And um, as, as time would go on, as we move on into the first century of the church, there is a, a division certainly that would grow between Jews and Christians. But what we have to remember here, where, where this letter is written, the time that this was, letten, was written, Christianity was very much still seen as part of the Jewish culture. 
uh, Christianity was a, 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 an offshoot, if you like, of Judaism. The Christians would meet in the temple. They would worship in the temple. They'd go to the synagogue with their friends and the family. They would share food together, share meals together. They'd talk, they'd discuss scripture together. And what seems to happen in Philadelphia a little bit earlier than, than in many other regions is there starts to become this divide between the Jews and the Christians. And when families would go to the church, those that were Christians, they would be greeted at the door of the synagogue and the elders would say, no, you can't come in. You're Christians. You, you follow that, that Jesus. This, this isn't your place anymore. And when it talks about doors being shut, it literally means doors being shut. Again, we can, we can over-symbolise Revelation. It's important that we look forward. There's, there's a forward future view of Revelation that, that we need to understand. But there's a very, very present and immediate meaning to Revelation. We'll, we'll pick this up, I think, a little bit in the Q&A afterwards if you stay on for that sort of chat. But there's a very physical sense of doors being slammed shut. Families being divided. People that, that you thought, hey, they're going to support me. They're going to stand with me. That door has been shut. And this actually was a matter of life and death. Do you remember we talked again in a previous week about how uh, there was this kind of Roman edict that once a year you had to declare that the emperor was God something that a Christian would obviously find very difficult to do. Now, the Romans were quite clever. They would make sure that, that the puppet governments they had established, they'd, they'd toss them a few bones, you see. And the way that you were able to avoid having to say that the emperor is God was you needed to be part of the established religion that the Romans had authorised as being okay. And that was a bone that they tossed the Jews. So if you went to the synagogue and your name was on the church roll of those who worshipped at the synagogue, you didn't have to say, the emperor is God. But when that door was now shut, when you were now barred from the synagogue, when your name was taken off the church roll, when the authorities came and said, well, who has to say this, this vow, this, this uh, declaration? Oh, we got a list of the people that are exempt, and you're no longer on that list. Do you see how this became a matter of life and death? The very people that thought these people thought would stand with them now turned against them. Some of us know how hard it is when families and friends, people we love, cannot come with us, even accept this faith that we have, when doors are closed in our families. Luke 12 uh, is not a passage that I've heard many sermons on. It's not an easy passage to hear, um, but this is the reality of following Jesus that he himself speaks of in Luke 12, 51. These are the words of Jesus. Do you think I have come to give peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. We don't hear many sermons on that passage, do we? And that's so important that in this passage in Revelation, in verse 8, Jesus says, Behold, I set before you an open door 
which no one can shut. It's not just a neat little phrase to this little church in Philadelphia. It meant something so important. It meant that when a door was closed by the person they loved the most, Jesus says, hey, I'm still going to open a door for you. I'm still going to be there for you. I'm not going to let you down. Have you been let down by someone close to you? As I say, that can be the most devastating thing that we experience. But Jesus comes alongside us to comfort us. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to hear those words of comfort. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write his name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own name. The lesson that we can take away from this lesson, from this letter that we find in so many places, is that life is not always fair. That's not new news, I think, to most people. Life isn't always fair. In fact, what we face sometimes can seem downright unjust. But we have someone that we can cling to, someone who will remain true. It says in the words of that, that well-known modern hymn, in Christ alone... My hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Amen. Amen. Anybody want to take a guess what we're going to sing now?